This episode of Small Church Media Podcast is sponsored by Tithely. Tithely provides the best online tools to help you increase generosity, manage your church, and engage your members. From giving your church options to text to give, set up auto-recurring online giving, and allowing your congregation to cover their own online fees, which if not taken care of can cost your church literally thousands of dollars every single year, you can start collecting your tithes and offerings for completely free. So head over to smallchurch.media forward slash Tidely. Again, that's smallchurch.media forward slash Tidely to get started. Now let's get this conversation where we are gonna be talking about the different types of church website builders and how to choose the right one. You ready? Let's get it. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Small Church Media Podcast. Today, we have a guest on the show called the Wisconsin Swiss Melt from Culver's. <laughs> you may have thought it was a person joining me in studio. Nah, no. You know, I get the wonderful blessing of working from home. And my wife was out with the kids today. And she was like, you know what, Mark? Um, well, well, side note, we're pregnant. Kid number eight, it's going to be wild and awesome here in the Hyde House this spring. But she was like, you know what, Mark? I'm craving some Culver's, so can I get you something? And I'm a sucker for all things melts. I love Frisco melts from Steak and Shake, but Culver's got a Wisconsin Swiss melt that is just uh, absolutely fabulous. So in the studio today, I'm hanging out with Culver's, uh, my Wisconsin Swiss melt, my uh, Culver's root beer, because I'm just a sucker for Culver's root beer. And if you guys are anywhere like south of like, you know, I guess anything would be considered south of of me where I'm at, northern Indiana. You may have never had Culver's, and if so, I am so sorry. (laughs) I am so sorry. In my opinion, it's one of the most underrated, best fast food joints out there. And if you're from the north, you know exactly what I am talking about. But we're not here to talk about Culver's and Wisconsin sweat smells. We're here to talk about church media, and specifically asking, and not even asking the question, but talking about the different types of church website builders. And this week, we are going to start off on a brand new journey here on the Small Church Media Podcast. So we recently had a series on podcasting for churches. And honestly, I I really enjoyed having a series rather than just throwing topics at random here and there based on either what I'm reading online or questions maybe that you guys ask or things that I'm just like, you know what? It'd be really good to have this conversation. And maybe you feel this way as a pastor as well, where if you had to come up with a sermon every single week and you just were coming off the top of your head, it gets exhausting. You sometimes get confused. You sometimes repeat yourself. And that's why so many pastors, probably including you, which was including myself, we would have sermon series, whether around books of the Bibles or topics or whatever. So this week, we are going to start a seven episode series on websites for churches. We'll talk about how to build them, what types of users will land on your website, and what to do with them when they land there, how to create visitor pipeline, the best and worst practices, what type of tools maybe you should use, and so, 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 so much more. Now, before I jump in, I do want to say this, because I know you might be thinking, Mark, okay, so... Um, <laughs> I've been with you since the beginning, and we talked already a lot about websites. Are we really just going to rehash all this stuff just so you feel better about yourself with having a seven-week series? And the answer is, 
Well, I guess depending on how you ask the question. No, this is this is all new, fresh content, what we're hoping to do. So with this series, we are going to be hitting on some topics that we have yet to talk about on the show, but I'm sure there'll be some crossover information, but I firmly believe that literally your church website needs to be right because based on how website visitors land on your website is how they judge your church and how you interact with your church members and communicate with them. If your website is set up properly, you will be ready to go. So today we're going to start off this whole new seven, seven part series for the podcast. I don't want to call it seven weeks because I might have some interviews scattered in there here and there. I'm working on a couple of those, but today we're going to be talking about the different types of church website builders and how to choose the right one. But before we do that, I want to remind you of our secondary sponsor here in the Small Church Media Podcast called Sermon Shots. Now, if you want to up your social media game specifically by use of video and reels, like for Instagram or TikToks, Sermon Shots will literally become your best friend overnight. They have a platform where literally you can upload your entire sermon or cut it down and upload it, take a couple different parts, plast that into some sort of a template, and then you even get captions for that actual part of your sermon clip export it, post it. You can do all of that in just 10 minutes using their platform. And Small Church Media Podcast listeners get a free 30 days just to try it out. No strings attached. So head over to smallchurch.media forward slash sermon shots. And when you do that and you sign up or you contact them, just mention you're a listener or use the coupon code SCMP for Small Church Media Podcast, SCMP30 to get your free 30 days over there. So So let's jump into the conversation. So when you first start building a website, something that you quickly realize is you need a tool to first build your website. And there are so many different tools out there. And a lot of times you start researching, okay, are there different things that we can do? And so today we're going to talk about primarily the three different ways slash tools for you to build a website. The first one is the DIY method. The second one is a church-based website builder. And then the third one is hiring out a professional. So when you first start down the road of, okay, our church needs a website, you first start figuring out, okay, what are the different platforms I can do? And generally, you land on one of these DIY platforms. These DIY platforms generally go by the name of Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, Google Sites, um, GoDaddy has their own builder now. There's so many different DIY website builders out there that lets you use their tools to build the website that you need. Now, I do want to say this right off the bat because we're going to talk about and dedicate an entire episode to this type of website. I don't want to call it a builder because it's not a builder. WordPress. You might be thinking, okay, if we're going to start with building a WordPress, uh, building a church website, everybody starts on WordPress, so we're just going to start over there. But I do want to say this right off the bat, okay? WordPress is not a DIY website builder, okay? WordPress is a content management software, content management system, a CMS, by which you can put different themes and templates and builders inside of it. And we're going to talk about why maybe you should use that next week, but it is not a DIY website builder. What a DIY website builder is, is basically you pay this company X amount of dollars to use their platform, their tools, and their hosting, and generally their themes and templates to build out your own website. 
And a lot of people like to start here because it is probably the most cost-effective way to build your website. You're not hiring a developer. You're not hiring out a firm. You literally are doing it yourself. And the only cost is what it says on the website. Now, I know website prices keep going up and up and up. Like for a while, Squarespace was like eight bucks a month to get started. And I think they're up now to, they were at 12. They might be at 16 now. I'm not not really sure. Weebly used to start at like five bucks a month. And I think the decent packages now start more like 10 or 12, somewhere in there. Wix is a little bit more on the higher end, but there's still generally the idea with, and Google Sites is just stupid cheap. It's like a few bucks a month. But generally speaking, each one of these platforms are less than $30 a month, and they provide you with all the tools needed to build your website, including templates, uh, font selections, color choices, different types of basic customizations you can do. And But literally, you're paying to use the playground that they built to build out your website. And the reason why most people start here is because it's just straight up, like I said, cost effective. Another reason why, maybe a pro of why you should use a DIY website builder is it's an easy way to make sure the website is both desktop and mobile friendly with your menus, with your fonts and your font sizes, and your picture placement as the screen size shrinks down. Because right now, uh, I don't want to put a percentage on there because I think the world is changing so, so, so fast. It used to be close to like 50-50 and then it was like 60-40, but I would be uh, honestly shocked if it's less than, I would say maybe 20% of people will view your church website on a desktop. I personally think at least 80%, if not more, people view your church website on a mobile device. So you gotta make sure it's ready to go on both things. But then the other great thing about these DIY builders is that they take care of all the updates and security for you. If you had a WordPress website at some point in time, or let's be honest, you've already done a little bit of research into this, you will quickly find out that most websites right now are powered through WordPress, and WordPress are the easiest websites to hack, take over, corrupt your data, all these different things. So what these DIY builders include in their cost is not just the ability to use their tools and their platform and the software and the templates, but also they make sure everything is secure and ready to go. So all you have to do is sign up Put your content in, click publish, and that's literally it. And this is why for so many churches and so many people who are just getting started in the business world, they use DIY website builders. Now, there are some cons to using DIY builders. And and then here, just a second, I'll tell you which ones I think that if you want to start going this direction, which ones you should check out first. There are some cons we need to talk about when you're trying to build out your church website using a DIY builder. The first thing is that these website builders are generally time-consuming consuming because you do literally everything. You do everything from selecting your colors to the templates, to uploading the pictures, the text, all these different things. And generally speaking, based on which builder you use, they all have a different learning curve and a different way that you have to do it. Another con is you are generally limited to their designs and templates and often are not super customizable outside of what you see. For example, you might only have the options of two different buttons. Like that's it. You have like a white button and a black button and then like a small, medium and large size. That's it. You really can't change your like headline font size. You can't really change your body font size in specific areas unless you change it for the entire site. And then sometimes with certain website builders and also based on what plan you pay for, Sometimes you're stuck with that template that you chose at the very beginning of the website build. So let's say five, six, seven years come down the road and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Our our template ain't looking so good. 
maybe we should update it. And then when you update it, one of two things happen. Either they'll say, nope, sorry, you can't change the template. Or when you do, because of the different things you've built over the years, you break and mess up a lot of things in the website because you design it based on the older theme. Another reason why it's a con to use a DIY website builder, if you care about this at all, which you should, is generally DIY website builders don't do great with their Google PageSpeed scores. Um, I would say about two or three years ago, I was building a website for a church, and their one rule was, Mark, we don't care, no WordPress. Like, you can't convince us. There's nothing you can do, no WordPress. So we went and decided to do it on Squarespace. And if you do their page speed score, it's awful. It's not great. And to be honest with you, there's nothing we can do to fix it. So if I even say, hey, you know, with different websites, we can do all these different tips and tricks or whatnot, you're literally stuck. Your page speed score is your page speed score. And then the other con specifically with churches with these DIY builders are they generally have limited options for church-related things, such as calendars, and events, sermon media libraries that are designed for churches, not just blog posts, and then maybe even abilities to integrate the website with your church management software. So with DIY websites, you know, we're talking again about how, what are the different types of church website builders? And we're talking here specifically about just the DIY ones where you're like, you know what, Mark, I got time. We could do it. Which one should I decide to do? We talked about Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, Google Sites. You kind of just throw these out there. There's pros, there's cons, but really what's the difference between all these different website builders? Are they kind of the same, just, you know, same product, different skin? What's the purpose of all these different ones? And I first want to say that each one of these DIY builders do something different and their target demographic is also different. Now, I do want to say this. If your church right now is using a Google site, like like literally they have Google websites now, don't do it. <laughs> Get rid of it. They've proven that, yes, Google runs it and whatever, but when someone lands on a Google site, they're never really designed well. So if your church website is on a Google site, I want to encourage you, and you can't really do much to customization. It's really like a white background with some color splashed on it here and there. Don't do Google site. Use one of the other builders. But each one of these builders all have a different demographic, different target, and different capabilities based on what you want to do. So with all of these DIY website builders, is there one that I, Mark, personally recommend for you guys to look at first? And I do. The first one I would recommend is Squarespace, followed by Weebly, number two, and then Wix would be number three. And then the question is, is why? Squarespace, in my opinion, has way fewer options when building out your website so that way you can quickly drag elements and then replace the content as needed. So if you're not a designer and you're really only using images of your church or graphics that you've created for like Awana or for youth group or whatever, it's so, so plug and play with very few limited options on what you can do outside of it. Like for example, like think Chick-fil-A, okay? When you go to Chick-fil-A, you know flat off, or flat off, <laughs> flat like off the, I can't even think of my terminology today. Right off the bat, there we go. When you walk into Chick-fil-A, right off the bat, you know for a fact that you're ordering chicken. Like that's it. No burgers, no fish, nothing like that, just chicken. They have a very limited menu and they are so, so great at what they do because of that limited menu. Chick-fil-A, you can get in a sandwich, you can get in a nug, you can get in a strip, you can get it grilled, you can get crispy. Those are the only options you got. And then inside of that, you can add different things. Like you can put tomatoes or or you put lettuce or you can put cheese, all these different things. But at the end of the day, the core product of Chick-fil-A is chicken and everything is based off of that. Squarespace is kind of like the Chick-fil-A of website builders, all right? There's very few options, but they are very good, good, good options and they set you up for success 
success down the long road. Because when Squarespace first came out, they were targeting influencers, they were targeting bloggers, they were targeting more like an, an artist and musicians, more of your trendy type folks who want more of a trendy and clean, crisp designed website. That was their target demographic and that's who they still go after. So they do what they do so well, plug and play. You can build off of their stuff. And Squarespace, in my opinion, is very hard to break. <laughs> it's just very, very hard to break. So if you start off with trying to figure out what DIY website builder you should use, I would recommend Squarespace. Now, Weebly, though, lets you have more control over the design and being able to put content where you want and drag it around a different, like if you want to put the button above the picture rather than below the picture, Squarespace says, nope, that's not how this works. Whereas Weebly goes, yep, that's exactly how this works. Figure out all how you want to do. You have more freedom in your design. However, they do have some annoying quirks. Like if you want to use like the same photo, 10 different places on your website, you have to upload it 10 different times. You can't just use the one upload, which I think is just really, really dumb. Um, last time I checked, if you move something around and change it, they actually don't even have an undo button. So if you move something, accidentally delete something and you click save, you're just tough out of luck and you're screwed because they're like, sorry, we can't go back and like fix that for you. Whereas Squarespace, you're more so able to do that. Weebly though, you know, they give you a lot more freedom, but there still is a tight playground by which you can work inside of it. So Squarespace is like the Chick-fil-A of the DIY website builders. Weebly would be more like your standard fast food, you know, kind of like a fast food spot where you have all the different options. You got burgers, you got fries, you got drinks, you got shakes, you got blizzards if you're Dairy Queen, you got chicken, you got fish, you got all these different options that you can do. However, there still is a limited menu by which you can pick. You don't just have freedom to do whatever you want to do. There still are some things that you want to do it. And Weebly also has some really sweet, um, I, I forget what they call it. They used to call it like the resource library or add-ons where they actually have built into the software third-party add-ons where it's like, okay, my website can't really do this. I want it to do this. Is there something out there? And their answer is yes, there's actually a store where you can purchase free add-ons or paid add-ons by other developers to make your website do different things. And we use those add-ons all the time back at my old church because our website was built off of Weebly way back in the day, and it still is. And Weebly, in my opinion, is still a great website builder for you to be able to build a pretty sweet website off of. The last one, though, and we got to keep moving here pretty quickly, is called Wix. Now, Wix is bragging about their next generation builder that, to be honest with you, can do some absolutely amazing things. But the problem is, is that until you learn how to use all the things and understand great design principles, you can make, quote unquote, cool things that may not actually look good for the end user. Plus, you can also get extremely lost inside of their builder. Like if Squarespace is, again, Chick-fil-A and Weebly's like the other fast food places like Burger King or Mickey D's, Wix would be more like your Mongolian grill. You know, like flat top or who hot based on where you live, where you go up, you put the noodles, the veggies, the meats, the sauces, you get it ready to go. You want to add some bread, add some eggs, add, add some salt and pepper, some little seasoning. You put it up on the actual table. But the other thing with Wix, though, is rather than handing it off to the chef to then create everything, now you got to step to the grill and cook all the stuff that you did as well. So, um, you know, they, they give you the ingredients, the grill, the forks, the cup, but you still have to do what it takes and they take what they, what they give you, but then now you have to go and make something from it. Now, now I do want to make sure I say this and I'm clear in this. Wix does provide templates and things so that you can do things similar to Weebly or Squarespace, but Wix gives you what they say is 
unlimited control using their X Builder. Now, there's other DIY companies out there, and one that's been really popular lately is called Webflow. And I personally love Webflow, all right? But Webflow has such a steep learning curve where I actually had to pay a course to understand it, and I don't even use it in the day. Like, I, I have still yet to build a website in Webflow, but I still had to pay for a course just to understand how on earth this thing actually works. Then there's an intense learning curve with it. So if you don't want to waste your time on then learning how to use a platform and then learning the principles and then building the website, you know, just 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 stay away from Webflow. If you're more adventurous, go for Wix. But if you're like, all right, we just want to go super, super quick. We want to get something up there that looks good, looks sharp, and has all the things ready to go that we don't have to worry about. I want to encourage you to go after using Wix. Now, I do want to say this, though, when we wrap up the DIY website builders are there is a next level and advanced part of DIY builders that are more focused on churches. And these are called church-based website builders. Now, these website builders are still DIY. I just want to flat out say these are still DIY builders. However, these DIY builders are more church-based focus in terms of they are built by people who are Christians, who love the church, who have found these DIY platforms or things like WordPress are just overwhelming. They don't provide the real resources and tools that you as a church need to pull off your ministry, like serving libraries and event signups and and calendars and integrations and, and your church management software integrations, all these different things. So there have been different companies that create these different platforms so that way churches can have plug and play DIY website builders that are again focused on your church. Now, there's three pros with using these church-based website builders. One is, again, just like other DIY website builders, they're generally cost-effective as well to get started. Now, generally, the DIY website builders, you know, you're paying more like 12 bucks a month, 18 bucks a month, and no setup costs because you do all of it. A lot of church-based website builders were more charge you like 40 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month to use their software because it's their softwares and their tools and their, you know, different elements and resources as a part of that. And some of these people also do like a a $500 setup to make sure everything is ready to go specific for your church, which can come in really handy because rather than starting at the ground level, they at least build the ground level and maybe even build the frame of the house. And your job is just to, you know, add some, you know, color to the wall, maybe, maybe do some little tweaks here and there. But the idea is they give you all the tools necessary for you to build your church website. So they generally are super cost effective for small churches. They generally have pre-built sections for you to simply plug in your content. Like uh, one that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. If you want to put a staff section for your team, you grab the staff team section over, replace the pictures and the titles and the contact information, and you're just done. You're ready to go. And every single one of these have built-in sermon media players ready to go. So you don't need to figure out how to put your sermons online, where you want to put them. They're just there. You just input your audio, give it a title, give it a date, and boom, you are ready to go. Now, are there any cons with using church-based website builders? Now, based on which website builder you're using, again, it can be time-consuming because, again, you got to do most of the work with that. Church website builders also are limited in their designs and templates, and generally, they're even more limited in that than what the other builders are. But again, they're not looking for giving you all these customized things. They're just like, hey, we know these five designs work. Let's just make it work for you. Generally, their content media player is tied up with them and their software. So let's say you have all your sermons put onto this website. Six years down the road, you're like, you know what? We're going to leave this website, go to this website. Sometimes you lose all of that content because it's not tied in with what you have and what you own. It's tied in with their own software. 
And then if you pick a website builder that is connected to your church management software and you decide to leave and do a different website, now you're even more stuck when it comes to that. Now, if you're gonna go down this road and look up church-based website builders, I would encourage you that if you're thinking about going DIY, you should do this instead of just going straight to Squarespace, straight to Weebly or straight to Wix because they offer a lot of solutions that are church focused and church-minded. Now, if you just want to have like your servants hosted on a different podcast hosting platform like, you know, uh, Podbean or Buzzsprout or SoundCloud and just build your website and save some money, save that 30, 40 bucks a month, shoot, go for Squarespace. Absolutely go for it. But there are some amazing church-based website builders out there. My favorite one is called thechurchco.com. And the reason being is if you are a tiny little church and you, you're like, we just need something up there that looks good and has all the basics that we need. We don't need any bells or whistles or frills. They literally have a $0 setup and 40 bucks a month. You absolutely can't beat it. And then based on more custom things that you want or more integrations you want, then you pay more setup and more monthly fee. Another one that a lot of my friends have used in, in, the, in the church world is called churchplantmedia.com. These, the, this company, I think they charge you a $500 setup and then 50 bucks a month on top of all of that. But Church Plant Media, the, the, the pastors that I know that use it, absolutely love this platform. They're like, Mark, it's just golden and it just works. So if you wanna know about those two different ones, just go to our show notes and click those links. But I also wanna let you know that our sponsor, Tithely, also has a website builder. So if you're looking into using a church management software that tracks your people, tracks your attendance, lets you do online giving and have better communication with your people, you might as well just look into saying, hey, we don't have a lot of money. We don't need a lot of integrations. We don't want to pay a developer to do all of this. Why don't you just check out Tithely? So again, go to smallchurch.media forward slash Tithely, cover over their product section or solution section, and you can see their website builder that integrates with all of their software. Now, if you're using using a different church management software, just using Tithely for your money. Tithely website builder might not be a great solution, but if you're looking for a one-stop shop, check out Tithely at smallchurch.media forward slash Tithely. So right off the bat, when we're trying to develop a website, there's primarily just, this is kind of it when it comes to if you want to do most of the legwork yourself and save money for your church is go DIY. So you can do DIY completely on your own using Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, Google Sites, whatever, or you can take the next step and have certain things in place for you already when it comes to, you know, for sermons and for calendars and for maybe even event sign up things like that, and use a church-based website builder. But I don't want to just leave you hanging there because sometimes using both of those solutions may not be the best solution for your church. Sometimes use having the best solution for your church is literally to hire a professional, which this is what I do for my day job. I am a website developer. Um, I have a lot of my own clients, some of that I've met here on the Small Church Media Podcast or just from other churches out in the community. There's, I also work for a church marketing company, and I have a lot of clients that are not in the church world. There's in the business and blogging sphere. But sometimes it's best to hire a professional to handle your website. Now, the question would be is, when would it be the right time to hire a professional for your website rather than going a DIY builder route? The first would be is the fact of you don't have a lot of time to think through how the functionality should work, how the different pages should be laid out, and then managing the website. Outside of that, you might be like, we just don't have the time energy, resources, or even knowledge to do it. So let's hire someone and pay a little bit up front of, okay, this is how much it's going to cost for the website developer. And then generally hosting with a, outside of a website 
professional with me. I'll explain how I work here in just a little bit, just as <laughs> free information for you. But generally, the cost moving forward is a little bit cheaper when you use a professional because they can hook you up with a really fantastic hosting plan. But a lot of churches, after we're all said and done, then bring me on as their website guy where they pay me a, a fee to make sure I have the website managed. Any updates that they need on the website, I take care of every single update that they need, even if it comes down to uploading sermon media based on the needs that that church has. So if you need help more so with just having like finding the free time to do it. Or maybe you might be like, okay, we just don't even know where to start. We don't have good designers to create graphics for all the different pages or how to lay out the pictures or the different elements. We want to make sure we have the right flows in place. We we see that they have a certain media manager, but is there a better way to do it? Can we have different podcasts coming out of it? Can we have a small group engine with this? Do we have to use this type of a, a calendar platform? What type of integration can we use with our church management software? A lot of times, a hiring a professional will help you with just having the knowledge and the resources to do it, and they can create something that is special just for your church that looks custom, that looks like a little bit of extra love was putting into it, and they can create some amazing tools that your website then can use to help gather more people's information and connect with your church management software. And then at the end of the day, they do the heavy lifting. So when you hire a professional, the idea with when you hire a professional, there's, there's two different types of professionals out there, right? Generally, those guys who are just getting started or guys or girls just getting started, and a lot of times they're pixel pushers. They, they say, all right, give us all the stuff, and then what you give us, we're going to put all the things in there, and we're good to go. Then there's a different style where they more so go along with you on the road, where they develop the strategy for the website. They talk about what type of demographics you're trying to reach, what type of visitors do you have, what problems do you have with retainer and visitors, how you want to handle follow-up and these different things and they create a roadmap for your website. I am the latter. I hate being a pixel pusher where I say, fill out all this content and we're just good to go. It's more of, is there things that we can do to help craft the verbiage and the text around these different things? Can we pull out some extra information from you guys based on our conversation to just create a really great website and create all these pages. Now, is there cons with hiring a professional? Well, you probably guessed the first one is it costs a lot more money up front. If you hire an actual agency, uh, I know the cheapest agency around me starts at about $5,000 just to build a very, very basic website that you're like, that's, that paid 5,000 for that. That's what uh, that's probably the cheapest agency around here. But I also know other agencies that go upwards towards thirty to forty thousand dollars for some really big custom church websites. If you're curious about what my rates are all for websites, generally my rates are around the $3,000 mark for a custom-built church website. And if it's a smaller church website based on needs, that might drop down to $2,500. But that's what, where you have to start making those decisions for you as a church. If you're a small church and you don't have a lot of time, you might be thinking, Mark, we don't have $3,000 lying around to build a website. But I want to challenge you here with this thought, all right? Normally, building a website costs two or three months to do. All right, so let's say a website at the long end, long end takes, you know, three months to do, all right? Over the course of those months, you're spending $1,000 per month for those three months to build a website, all right? If you were spending $1,000 per month for anyone on your staff, you would be paying someone $12,000 a year to do certain things. That's generally what you pay a secretary to get the job done, to do different things 
for the church. So you might be thinking, Mark, that $3,000 is a big upfront cost for us as a church, which it is, but here's the beautiful thing. Generally, when you hire a developer, we try to figure out what your problems are, how we can find solutions to those problems, and provide an adequate solution to make the best of the time. And then also, we know different plugins that will work fantastic for your website to have better sermon media content, how to get live streaming to your website, all, all these different pieces, maybe a prayer engine where you're like, we want to have prayers, and then based on what, what type of prayer they check, it goes to different people. How do we do all those different things? That's when it's great to hire in a developer because you're not doing the research or the legwork or the testing or the trials or all these different things to make your website work. You're bringing in somebody on the team. Think of, as, think of it as a digital staff member to help you grow your church and reach the people that you need to. But do you need to hire a professional to build a great church website? And the answer is simply no. No, you don't. And we're going to talk about this in future episodes, but we've also talked about this in previous episodes, where if you answer all the questions that people have about your church, if you use great photos for your church, because even me as a professional, I'm going to say, take photos of your church. If you have no photos of your church, I can't really do that. I can't really do that much. So actually get photos for, uh, uh, you know, photos of around your church and your church people. But if you start with a DIY website for your church, I want to recommend if you want to go straight up DIY, go Squarespace. But if not, do a church-based website builder. I personally would recommend to stay away. Like don't use ShareFaith. Um, a lot of people love their apps and their content and whatnot, but their website builder really isn't that great. Um, to be honest, it's just a reskinned WordPress. That's that's really all it is. Um, the Church Co. is also, to be honest, a, a reskinned WordPress website. I'll tell you what that means next week, but their platform is so plug and played that it just works and it saves you so much money as a church. Church Plant Media is another great resource that you can do for your church-based website builder. Or again, if you're not really sure where to start, even with church management software, check out smallmedia.church forward slash tithely. It's spelled like tithe and then L-Y at the end, where you can get started over there with their builder. But if you want to go the DIY route and just go for it on your own, I would recommend start with a church-based website builder first rather than going completely alone on your own. But if you ever get stuck in a place and you're like, Mark, I am stuck. We need to bring in some help. We would love to have you do it. Reach out to me at hello at smallchurch.media or at my personal website, hello at markhide.com. And I would love to touch base with you over there. But again, I want to encourage you. You can do it. You can do it. You don't need a developer. If you want one, I'm always here for you. But you can choose the right website builder based off what you need for your church. And I would start with one of those church-based website builders to get started. Well, guys, I hope that was a helpful episode for you guys here in the Small Church Media Podcast. If this website was an encouragement, website, I said this website, if this episode was an encouragement to you, it would mean the world with me to, to me. I just can't talk. Should I start over? No, we're just gonna keep rolling. But it would mean the <laughs> it would mean the world to me if you send this episode to one or two other small churches in your network to help us be able to reach more people, not just for us to, you know, grow bigger and bigger podcasts, because that's not what it's all about, but the point of this podcast is to help small churches use media well. And if if it comes from a trusted source like you, I know it'd be a lot better than me just doing cold emails. So I would challenge you to share this podcast with one or two other small churches in your network or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or rating on Spotify. Spotify, you have to use mobile app to do it. But it was a whole lot of fun hanging out with you guys again here on the Small Church Media Podcast. We have six more episodes in this series about how to not just build your website, 
website, but how to make the website work for you. So come back over the next, hopefully six episodes. Maybe I'll get some interviews sprinkled in there. So maybe it's over the next eight weeks or so. I don't know. We'll find out. But either way, I'm looking forward to the next different podcast topics about this whole topic about how to build beautiful websites that are functional and that just work for you. It was great hanging out with you guys here for another episode of Small Church Media Podcast. And until next week, I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Small Church Media Podcast. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.